welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Fresh week here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. We're fired up. It's uh, it's it's everybody's in camp. We got news coming out. We're going to get into uh, some camp buzz here in a little bit. We've got some quarterback rooms to rank thanks to our own Barton Simmons. A uh, nice little piece of content to pair with uh, an article going up this week. Um, we're going to be ranking the best position groups in college football and, of course, our award-winning question of the day segment. You'll have to wait for that. Barton, how we doing, man? Fresh week. What up? It's, uh, yeah, it's fresh week, and this is exciting, man, because, like, I, now we're at the point in camp where, like, it's not just walk-through stuff. Some names are starting to trickle out. We've got some real live news. We've got some real live emerging starters, all that kind of fun. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's time to get into some actual actual heft, actual discussion about what's going on, not just projection. Right, and we are, uh, you know, one of the challenges of trying to uh, deliver the best content to you is sifting through the platitudes, and boy, you know, what? let's see, uh, let me see how many I can run off in a row. Uh, we've got great competition at every position. Um, let's see, everyone's bringing a, a great attitude. Uh, we're ready for game one. Uh, we're already tired of hitting each other. You know, like all, all of the things that you want to hear uh, from the coaches, we're all hearing it. But uh, thanks to the good people at 24-7 Sports, um, there are boots on the ground all over the country, and we've got uh, just some, some notes coming out that we want to be able to pass on to you, the good listeners of the 24-7 Sports podcast. Barton, we're going to introduce the Camp Buzz segment. Players that are making a buzz. Camp, Camp Buzz. Camp, Camp Buzz. Camp, Camp Buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. This is going to be an opportunity uh, for, for us to check in and find out who are some of these uh, players that are really starting to make a name for themselves, and then we will break down what it means. So, Barton, who is what is our first? What's the first name that has been trickling up to the surface over the first few days of camp? Stands out to you, um, and where where are they coming from? So I'll, I'll give you two names that are starting to come out right now. Or I mean, there's a bunch. We we could this could be a whole show about the names already. But let's pace ourselves, and and I'll give you two. I'll start on the West Coast with Jalen Phillips at UCLA, who was the 24-7 sports composite number one player in the country last year. So we expect him to play well. He was the industry's consensus number one player, uh, this sort of long, athletic, outside linebacker and uh, who's, who's really kind of a rush edge guy. He's been absolutely killing it uh, at UCLA. He's, he's been unblockable at times. He's been Woo! chasing down the football, down the field. He's been doing all the things we really – expected him to do but he showed up early he was an early enrollee he's worked hard and and it's he's right on pace he's he's not behind pace he's right on pace and now all of a sudden that we've got actual scrimmage periods and 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 competitive periods coming out of camp it looks like Jalen Phillips is going to be an instant competitor or, or contributor and 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 that's big for UCLA who lost Tack McKinley to a number one or a first round draft pick to get another edge presence 
in that defense that that's the area of that's in, in particular fronts you know they they've you know they're gone as Tack McKinley, gone as Eddie Vanderdose. Yeah, dude, the, uh, the Nate, and just like that whole front seven. You know, even like from two years ago when you had Miles Jack in there. Um, yeah. That there have been superstars up in the the front of that defense, and now you know you you start you start scanning the, for those names that we've recognized, and uh, and Jalen Phillips has nobody in front of him that he can't be able to surpass in the depth chart. Yeah, and and. I mean, again, I think Tack McKinley was so disruptive last year, and and the one thing I do like about this UCLA team is, is I think they got playmakers at every level, and um, you know Kenny Young I think is a linebacker that's really good. They've got on the back end guys like Jaleel Wadud who I think are are legit playmakers, and then if you get a real legit like presence on the front on the on the edge and not even a guy even just a guy that's even a third down pass rusher that can just disrupt the quarterback on those opportunities to get on the field I think that changes things for your defense and makes everybody better so that he is on pace and playing like a number one overall pick or number one uh, uh, overall prospect is is I think really encouraging for UCLA and and, and something that that Texas A and M is going to have to really account for in that week one show up showdown. How do you uh, when you've got these players that are like superstar, not like not just the five star, but just like the consensus top player in the country type guy? How much um, wiggle room do you give them in terms of? Uh, the time that it's going to take. Like, do you think that with the early enrollee, like, are there five star players that the light bulb can come on week one, or is it one of those things where normally you get, they got to get a couple games under their belt before they really get a chance to shine? Yeah, I, we get to know these guys a little bit during the recruiting process as prospects, as people, and 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 you have expectations that I think are unique to each player. For for Jalen Phillips. I expected him to be this good this early because he wasn't early enrollee because he is really a, a smart kid, motivated, focused kid. Uh, he's he's got all the physical tools. He was already 245 pounds probably when he showed up at, at, on campus, and and now he's already up to 255, 260. So he is that kind of a kid that I think had all those physical tools. But like say, Felipe Franks. You know, he was who was not a five star, but was a top one hundred kid. But I and and he is six six with a eighty eighty yard arm. The Florida quarterback. The Florida yeah, quarterback. Yeah. I'm not surprised that he is has yet to see the field. I'm not surprised that he's that he's taken some time to develop. We knew that he was he played in a wing T offense for the first couple of years of his high school career, and he, and and he's he was going to take some time to develop. So. There, you, you know, you alter your your expectations. Now, every once in a while, you see a guy who who you expect to get on the field right away, and he's taking his time, and then that's when you start to worry a little bit. But, um, but no, I I think that Jalen Phillips was is an example of somebody that showed up really ready to compete. And I think there's a lot of those guys in this 2017 class that are that are going to be freshmen this year who are capable. A lot of those five stars, I think, are, are guys we're going to see right away make an impact um and and Jalen is, is probably going to make as big as anybody all right we got a double dose of buzz here on the uh, monday's edition of the camp buzz segment the next one coming from georgia who we got barton yeah this one actually is probably even a more important and, and more important to the to the program and and that's andrew thomas at the university of georgia already hearing that he is the real deal at offensive tackle and and that's huge because 
anybody that saw Georgia last year remembers that that was the issue. They had great running back talents. Their quarterback, a young freshman, was was capable. Their defense was talented, but man, that offensive line was was just flat out bad. And this year, they need some some guys to step up. And and I'll say this: Andrew Thomas and and Andrew Thomas was one of the physically. We measured guys at the U.S. Army All-American Bowl last year. This is a kid that had like 36-inch arms and and wore 325 pounds like it was 260 and just looked absolutely the part. And and he was outstanding that week at practice at the Under Armour All-American game. We loved him. His high school competition wasn't quite up to par from a national perspective, so there were still some questions. Like, what's the transition going to be like for him? Well, he's he's catching on really quickly he's looking great he's he's one of the he's probably the long-term left tackle for that for that program now whether he can move into that left tackle role right away is to be seen but let's say he can move into that left tackle role Isaiah Wynn maybe kicks down to left guard um, you got another true freshman that's competing for for right tackle Isaiah Wilson so I think the if this can continue to trend up for Georgia in terms of these young offensive linemen where they've recruited really well over the last two years, but if this could continue to trend up at Georgia, even if this year isn't the year where that offensive line is just a, is a strength, but maybe just is, is competent, I think it looks like that this could be an offensive line that's, that's dominant next year or two years from now. So I think in the long run, this is you know things are looking really positive out of Georgia camp from an offensive line standpoint, and and none more so than than Andrew Thomas, the kid could be a first round draft pick at at two or three years down the road. He he's that kind of a talent. Hey, shout out to Sam Pittman. You know, just getting it done working with them boys. Like that's a uh, that whenever you've got those players who and all right. So Andrew Thomas, do you think that because his competition wasn't great? he missed the cut from being one of those top 32 players. Like because of his measurables and because of the way he was able to dominate the level he was playing, like everyone understood that he was power five, uh, a power five potential, but then maybe um, was like not quite rated on that five-star level because of that. Well, I mean, he was for our rankings, he was 37th in the country. So, I mean, he was right on the cusp of that five-star threshold which which we cut off at 32. So he, I mean, we had a long, hard talk and discussion about making him a five star, um, and and a lot of that had to do again with with what he did at the Army Bowl against all that elite competition, where he was you know head on head with best best in the country. So there there were expectations for him too. But I think this is another one of those guys where hey, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if he rolled into town and, and needed a year to get settled and adjust. And it sounds like. Whether he's a starter on day one, I'm not saying that, but it sounds like he's ready to play. He's going to play, and and it's just a matter of when. Oh, man, and that's great news for a Georgia offensive line that desperately, desperately needs uh, as many upgrades as possible. All right. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, you know, I was just – I mean, you, you made the point, Sam Pittman, and I think he, he, he arrived at Georgia – with a lot on his plate, I mean, he knew what his job was was to get that offensive line better, and he's got a he's got a heck of a reputation uh, around offensive line coaches, and 
I, I think they're on the on, on track. You know, they're it's not going to be an overnight process, but I think that they're on track because they really have been recruiting well there. Hey, I mean, we got to be careful dishing out this positivity to Georgia fans, man. You know, they're, they're going to start talking national championship by the end of this podcast. Somebody's got to win the East, man. Someone's <laughs> got to do it. <laughs> All right, so. Um, this pairs nicely um, with a a fine Zinfandel on the vine, but this this pairs nicely with uh, where we are going next, which is uh, the quarterback room rankings. Now, um, the we are recording this early Monday morning. I'm guessing the post is going to go up Monday, so by the time you hear this, you should be able to find it. Uh, Barton, this is. The you've got this separated into tiers. I'm always a fan of tier rankings over number rankings, particularly uh, when you've got them separated. Do you want to introduce the tiers uh, and give give a little bit of explanation here? Because from what I can tell uh, from from the spreadsheet, we're we're looking at both the depth, the quality, the quantity, uh, and of course the ability to have stars that can lead you to the top. Uh, lots of different ways to break down essentially quarterback depth uh, among the country, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, here's what the the tiers I ended up landing on for the actual story. So the the top tier is Natty Worthy, no matter what, and and that means. You've got a quarterback as a starter that can win a national championship with you if you have the right people around him. And you not only have that guy, but you've got at least one backup that also is good enough to win a national championship. Um, second tier is, is either win it all or win a lot. So you got a, a starter that can win you a national championship, and if that guy gets hurt, backup comes in. Maybe you're not going to win a national title, but you're going to win a conference title. You're going to win a lot of games. You're going to be capable of winning every game that that you you line up and play better have that blind side covered as the next tier which basically Mm. means hey you've got a national title quarterback but you got you got scraps behind him so you better keep that guy healthy you better make sure your left tackle is on point because you need him to make it through the season uh next we got the millennial tier (laughs) basically that's like the the young guns, yeah. the guys that, hey, we, we don't really know what we're getting with these guys, but they're really talented. Like true sophomores, redshirt sophomores as your starters with a couple of young bucks behind them. Guys we've seen flashes from, but not, not maybe enough body of work. Um, and then stable footing beyond that, which means, look, this is the, these are guys that are good quarterbacks, can get the job done, but maybe no Heisman trophies. No national cha- championships teed up, but these are guys that, that are legit ballers. And then two more, quantity over quality basically means we don't know what we have. we got a bunch of good quarterbacks, no great quarterbacks, and, and we're waiting for someone to emerge out of that pack. And then the last tier, I guess two more tiers, one year away, which is maybe a backup that's ready to roll, maybe a freshman coming in, but this is, this is not going to be the year next year might be and then get me back, get back to me in October is the last tier, which is a one-team tier for me. Which is I don't really know what to expect out of them. They could be really good, but but we'll you know I, we're not going to know till October. And this is basically like the top fifty type of quarterback room. So we're not if you've got a bad quarterback room, if you've got a quarterback that's a starter that doesn't really uh, you know make the move the needle nationally, then then he doesn't make this list. Uh, so that's kind of the way I broke it down. And again, Chip, like you, I think you kind of explained it, but this is about, this is about the room. 
This is about how healthy your quarterback room is, not just your starter. And I think that's a you know a little bit of a different way to look at this thing because as we all know, quarterback injuries happen, and uh, the 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 bar is Ohio State a couple years ago when the third string quarterback led him to a national title. I don't think many teams are, can do that, um, save for for one this year, and uh, and that team happens to be Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So I've got a couple questions for each tier. Uh, team-related, player-related specifically. And uh, let's start right there at Ohio State because I, if I remember back, and I need, would need to check the tape, the, I believe that you had – was Tate Martell the quarterback, the backup quarterback that you were the most excited about long-term in this room? JT Barrett is a starter, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow. Um, like, is, is that – if JT Barrett goes down late in the season, is that one of those things where you and others who have followed Martell closely are going to hope that he's in a position to see the field? No, actually, I don't think so. I think, and now any other quarterback room in the country, the answer would be yes. I, I mean, Martell is a is is really fun to watch. He's one of the most accomplished high school quarterbacks of all time. But this is a room. I mean, if you watch the Ohio State spring game. JT Barrett was probably the third best quarterback in that game uh, between Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow, both slinging it. It's it's just a different type of of quarterback. JT is Barrett that because of the of a, offense too? Like just because it's Urban Meyer and the offense that he runs, that if he gets like the if 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 he gets the right ingredients in a prospect or a college football player, then he's able to like sort of fit the piece in just right, almost like a puzzle piece. Yeah, I mean, I, and, well, I mean, I think JT Barrett's been perfect for Urban Meyer for for what three years yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and but this is what's interesting about this situation to me is now they got Kevin Wilson, and Kevin Wilson will take shots downfield throwing the football, and the guys behind Barrett are better throwers, better downfield passers, but there's there's few guys in college football that are as difficult to defend the bear because he's basically a running back at quarterback that can throw. So it's just, I mean, this room is so deep. You got, I mean, Barrett has that Haskins is those as pretty balls there is in the country. Joe Burrow. I think he, he could play to like 80% of his passes in high school. The guy's like a, a machine. And then you have this dynamic athletic freshman. That's probably going to red shirt. So it's just, I mean, it is an embarrassment of riches and, and it is a team that I think, I'm pretty confident could get to their number three guy and still be in a position to win a national title. Wow. All right. Um, Alabama, I feel like we've given a, a decent amount of lip service and there is some understanding. Jalen Hurts, sophomore, also the reigning SEC Offensive Player of the Year, uh, a step forward as a downfield passer, and he might be a damn near Heisman winner. Uh, Tua Tagaloa, a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Either one of those uh, it seems like there should be some confidence. But at Oklahoma, there's a name that's right there where I, I don't wish any ill will on Baker Mayfield, but man, given the <laughs> drama around Kyler Murray, um, you know, the like getting to Texas A&M, leaving Texas A&M, landing at Oklahoma, uh, he sits out. Just, you know, he was maybe going to play baseball for a second coming out of high school. Like, there's... It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute since we've seen Kyler Murray, and this is a this is another question where 
like, do you think that all of that time off, uh, is there any impact on a player? Like, is when Kyler Murray steps back onto the field, are you expecting uh, like definite progressions from the last time we've seen him in competitive action? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that Kyler, like we. You remember when we he, we saw him as a true freshman at A and M, and he was exciting, <laughs> yeah, 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 and dynamic. But he was also he looked like he was in over his head. He was just sort of running around out there. Um, he was their change up quarterback. I think that I think when we, when he gets on the field next year and maybe this year, if there's something happens with Mayfield or if he just gets in and some some mop up duty or whatever. I think we'll see a different quarterback just because he's been in the college game longer. The game will slow down for him some. Uh, but he is – I think when we look at the the Johnny Manziels and we saw what sort of Shea Patterson started to look like last year, and, and I think Kyler Murray is in that mold. And keep in mind, this is – what, he had last two years of his high school career, he was like 32-0 and 0 with – Almost nine thousand combined passing yards, oh, almost three thousand yeah. combined rushing yards. Just it has as accomplished a high school career as anybody I've ever covered. So back to back Texas State champs ain't nothing to blank with, you know? Like you, yeah. like you're you're out yeah. there, you're out there playing, uh, you're playing big boy high school football. You're the starting quarterback, and no one can touch you. Like that's that's the kind of thing that makes me excited because uh, I I don't know. Like when he came out there as the when he came out there at Texas A and M, Texas A and M was just in such a bad spot. I mean, not that they're in a better spot as we've talked about several times on this podcast. Not that they're in a better spot at quarterback, but I. I I wanted so much more than he was ready to give me at that time when he was out there. But I, I feel like the the like the ceiling is the roof, as my good friend Michael well, Jordan would say. If he had stuck around, I think Kevin Sumlin would would be sitting pretty right now. I think I think there'd be confidence in College Station. I think they'd feel okay heading into this year, and and with Kyler Murray at quarterback, I think that they'd be really good. Uh, but he didn't stick around, and now I think that may be. I mean, losing Kyler Murray, I, I think, is going to be enough to to lose Kevin Sumlin's job. I just don't think they're going to be good enough for him to stick around. I think if Kyler Murray was there, they would be. So there is some projection in having Oklahoma three and having Alabama two also with Tua Tagovailoa. So th- those are guys that we haven't seen a lot of, but I, I feel really confident can be capable. And even at OU, Austin Kendall's not bad either for a third stringer. He got in some last year and looked okay. So um, that is, I think, a very deep room and. And um, and and that's that's sort of those are the three that's to it. me. Yeah, that's the top yeah. tier. I agree with you there. All right, so there there's one school in the uh, one quarterback that can take you to a title, one quarterback that might be able to get you to that Big Ten championship. Uh, just Moxie McSorley right there at number one. <laughs> Trace McSorley. I like that name. Yeah, uh, not Moxie McSorley. Moxie McSorley. Yeah. Uh, and then we got Tommy Stevens behind him and uh, Jake Zembiak. Yes, and this is more about a Tommy Stevens play than, than a Zimbiak. I don't know if we know a lot about Zimbiak yet. but Shoot, I don't know Tom- much about Tommy Stevens. Uh, educate well, me. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, I, I guess not a lot of people outside of maybe State College do, but he is, he's legit, and, and Penn State coaches love him. They think that they'd be really comfortable with him in the starting role. He's a bigger version of McSorley. He's stronger. They've. He's the type of guy you can you can. You know, throw in the game as a receiver if you wanted to, and and, and throw it to him. 
Um, so maybe not, I mean, just less experienced and, and a little bit less uh, of that moxie maybe that McSorley has. He's, he's got, you know, he's, he's got a, a 99 on the moxie scale. Uh, but I think Tommy <laughs> Stevens is a kid that jumps in there and, and when McSorley's gone, whenever that is, uh, Penn State does not miss a beat. So that's, that is another one where uh, maybe a lot, not a lot of people know how good Tommy Stevens is. But they they love them in, in, in inside the Penn State coach's office. All right, watching uh, the blind side protecting the offensive line. There are fourteen schools uh, that are in this tier of your starter could take you to the title, but man, you got to keep them healthy. I want to focus on uh, five that are national championship college football playoff teams in the eyes of us, in the eyes of the preseason coaches poll, in the eyes of you know all of the projected playoff brackets. Uh, Oklahoma State, USC, Florida State, Washington, and Auburn. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's let's start at Oklahoma. Let's start at Oklahoma State. Those those to me, I mean, like Louisville could catch me off guard, but Barton, like I I if we got to come up with opinions. We're talkers. We're pundits. We got to give these takes. I don't. Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal football player. I love watching him play from top to bottom, offense and defense. I'm not looking at the cards as a college football playoff team. That's fair. And if Lamar Jackson goes out, then Jawan Pass is going to. I mean, it'll be a seven-win season. So it's it's yes, I think that's where we're at. But at Oklahoma State, you're right. I think they are a dark horse playoff team, and I think all you got to know about their quarterback room is the backup is is a walk-on, um, and or a former walk-on. Maybe he's on scholarship now. Taylor Cornelius. He's he's been in the program for a while. He's he's a big kid. Uh, he's battling Keandre Wuti for the 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 backup job right now, and. Look, I'm sure this is a guy that's capable of going in and making some throws, but it's this is the Mason Rudolph show. Yeah, and and I think this is one all these all, all these schools. This is the key. I mean, this is this is the this is the tiers. All these schools go from that you just mentioned to me go from national title hopes to to not if 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 the starter goes down. So I think that's the case with Mason Rudolph. Um, you know, Sam Darnold, we know about if he goes down. I do not have confidence in Matt Fink. That's a quarterback that's really athletic, was so in high school, but not accurate as a passer. To me, the the better chance that USC would have in a backup situation would be if true freshman Jack Sears can catch on quickly and become that guy who, who I, I think Sears long term is going to be a big time kid. But it's you know it's just right out of the packaging for him. So. Um, that is the is the question for me at USC is can Sears overtake Mac Fink as the backup uh, to give them a little bit more stable footing. And USC, I mean, again, like the Oklahoma State, a little bit of a dark horse. Uh, Auburn, another team that I mentioned to you, a, bit, a little bit of a dark horse. But USC and Florida State, like these are two of the top five teams in the country right now. Um, it is it is wild looking at the the breakdown here that you're dealing with some. Some some fragile situations, right? Well, let's look. I mean, so all right, let's see. Um, Mason Rudolph and Sam Oklahoma State, USC, Auburn is a is a dark horse national title. Jared Stidham goes down, 
we know what Sean White yeah, is. Yeah, that's the We've thing seen is seen it. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have any questions uh, about Auburn. It's more the question is all about Jarrett Stidham because the Sean White experience is a movie I've seen before, and it's not horrible. You know, the Sean White experience comes on TBS. And I might sit through the commercial breaks because it'll give me enough like highlights through the way. But I might also like get up and fold my laundry while it's on. I can't get down with a quarterback that falls down when he's throwing <laughs> out of a clean pocket. You just, I mean that that just it doesn't work for me. So deal no, breaker, I, I, deal breaker. <laughs> Sean White is is I just I mean I am not buying that. DeAndre Francois goes down. Then you got JJ. Uh, Cosentino stepping in who's I mean his his relief experience is is limited at best and hasn't been anything to write home about uh I think that's another one where at Florida State it'd be great if a guy like James Blackman a true freshman stepped up and and really progressed over the course of the early season and became that backup just because Hey, JJ Cosentino is going to come in there and maybe, you know, maybe deliver the the wins that you're supposed to have. But you get him in the playoffs, I got zero faith in in him being able to um, to withstand Clemson or Alabama's defensive front. Is Cosentino Sean McGuire good? I don't think he's Sean McGuire good. Ooh. Sean McGuire could at least start some games. I don't know. I mean, Sean McGuire. Sean McGuire was a very good backup quarterback and then eventual starter after uh, the Everett Golson experience experience went ended uh, and right. like and like by the end of the season Sean McGuire kind of had it rolling and having having Travis Rudolph on the side uh, didn't didn't hurt his experience at all but like the I thought that Sean McGuire across his career in multiple starts, including in some big games, uh, was a very, very good backup quarterback for Jimbo Fisher. But would you put a DeAndre Francois-Sean McGuire tandem above this tier? Like, is, Do you think Sean McGuire can do anything more than just uh, win you the game you're supposed to win? Uh, Beat Boston College for you? They would not. They would maybe, maybe be able to join Penn State in that – uh, starter can get you the national title. Backup might be able to keep things uh, on the rails through the right. beginning of December. Yeah, and I, I don't know if I'm on that. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm there, even with Sean McGuire, and I'm definitely not there with Costantino. So it's so that's to me is, um, and you know that I think Florida State and that the biggest question for them is is what is that offensive line going to look like? Because man. DeAndre Francois can't have another year like he had last year. Took a beating. beating. Oh my goodness! He took. So that that you know, to me, the moral of that is like let, let's let's keep our boy DeAndre Francois healthy this year. All right, and then uh, what about all right, so KJ? I feel like KJ Carter Samuels has been at Washington uh, since like um, Rick Neuheisel was the head coach, <laughs> right? I mean, he's, he's been, been there for a minute. I think he's only a junior still. Uh. It's. But but he's actually when you look at this list of backups, KJ Carter Samuels and Tyler Helinski are the two that have thrown for the most yardage. And by that I mean KJ Carter Samuels thrown for like two fifty, and and Tyler Helinski's thrown for like four hundred in in backup duty. So those are the guys that are the most experienced for the most part. Uh, but I don't think that either of them are guys that are going to 
again, win you any game you're not supposed to win. And, uh, you know, so I think I think those are two teams, Washington and Washington State, that, that they got to keep those guys clean as well. All right, the millennial section. Um, we got the, the names that the SEC fans know well, Jacob Eason, Shea Patterson, Jake Bentley, um, Shane Bouchelle up there. You got uh, Brandon Wimbush at Notre Dame, Justin Herbert at Oregon. Um, is is there any one of these situations that, as a group, you think stands out from the rest, or at, do you think that almost all of these teams at the quarterback position are mostly relying on that starter? Well, they, I think they are. It's interesting. I think all these backup situations are are manageable. The the I think Georgia's got the best situation right now because they've got not only they have Jacob Eason, but Jake Fromm really looked sharp in the spring game. And, and he is a really highly touted kid. He was great in the army bowl. He's a true freshman. I think they'll be okay if he steps up and, and it has to play. The other one I think that is, is interesting is, is Ole Miss. Shea Patterson is the starter and he can't get hurt. But if he does, I haven't seen much of this kid, but Jordan Te'amu, who's their their JUCO transfer from New Mexico Military Institute, threw for like 330 yards a game last year in the JUCO ranks. So he could be like a Gerard Evans that comes in and, and is capable. Uh, I just don't know. I haven't watched him enough. But he is, I think, a, if, if not for him, I mean, I have – there are other – backup quarterback they've moved to tight end Alex Faneel who's the other true freshman that came in is not at all ready so I do think that if not for that Juco transfer Ole Miss would be in bad shape with a quarterback that that likes to run a lot so that that would be one to watch and then I'd also mention Shane Buchel and Sam Ellinger who was a highly touted kid behind him so there's some depth there as well but yeah Chip I mean I, I do think all these guys are are need to stay healthy and just for their development standpoint, because I think as they stay healthy, they're going to get better and their team's going to be in better shape late in the year. Because th- these are all, I mean, this is a group of guys that could all be, you know, first round draft picks potentially. I don't know if Shane Buchel has those physical tools, but he's got some other tools that, that, that you know, make him pretty special. There's, uh, all right, so uh, if you're a fan of Arkansas, Missouri, Nebraska, Toledo, Duke, Memphis, BYU, Houston, Middle Tennessee, Colorado State, Boise State, <laughs> NC State, or Kansas State, congratulations. Solid. Okay, uh, the one year away, we've got uh, teams that have potentially high expectations, Michigan, Stanford, certainly uh, teams that are not the favorites in their conference, but ones that should be considered contenders to be able to win their division and maybe even their conference title. Definitely ones that could beat anyone in the conference. Uh, Virginia Tech, I, again, like who knows what's going to happen in the Coastal Division and certainly uh, Josh Jackson or the way that quarterback position under Justin Fuente you know the way it rolls out is going to impact the Hokies in a big way. Barton, let's start with Michigan. We got Wilton Spate. We got Brandon Peters. Uh, John O'Corn, man, John O'Corn. That's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man alive. All right, the the Wolverines at the quarterback position. Um, you know, it's a position where like I feel like Jim Harbaugh really just wants to clone himself out there. Like that's the 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 bar. It may be higher in his mind for that position than there are at. Uh, the, nearly half of the, the other Power Five teams around the country. 
When you say that the Wolverines are one year away, uh, what what about this room, about this group, has you slotting them there? Well, let me ask you this, Chip. Do you think that Michigan can win a national title with Wilton Spate at quarterback? Negative. Yeah, I would agree. I just, I would agree. Do you think that Michigan? So, and I, I think my point here is that. They're, the guy in this room, in my opinion, is Brandon Peters from a talent standpoint. And he probably isn't ready to be that dude this year. He will be, in my opinion, next year. So whether he somehow along the way this year beats Wilton Spade out for the job and develops over the course of the rest of the season or whether he just takes this into next spring and wins the job then, I just think next year is going to be the year where Michigan is is comfortable again at the quarterback position. And don't get me wrong, Wilton Spate is is serviceable. Uh, he's an average quarterback, and, and Michigan can win with average. But Brandon Peters, I think, has a chance to be special, and I think that we start to see those flashes next year, if not late this year, if he, if he gets that opportunity. All right. Um, what about – I feel like we talked about Stanford recently, which is like, can Keller Chris give them anything? Right. Right. I mean, can Keller Chris develop? A. B. KJ Costello is supposed to be really good behind him. And C. Davis Mills is the number one quarterback in, in high school football last year from a ranking standpoint. That was the consensus number one quarterback. And now he's on, on the farm. And it's, I mean, I don't, I doubt that he's, I mean, Stanford doesn't typically play those, those freshmen. Andrew Luck didn't even play till his redshirt freshman year. So I doubt this is Davis Mills' year, but. In that one year away vein, look, maybe next year is the year that Davis Mills is, is able to compete with Costello and Chris, and maybe he wins the job. But I think next year is the year, whether it's because of a more experienced Chris, a, a KJ Costello that wins it out, or, or Davis Mills, they, they'll be in a much more effective place next year in terms of having a guy that can not just you know, be serviceable, not just not lose them games, but a guy that can, can win them games at the quarterback position. And then at uh, quantity over quality, we've got Utah, Clemson, and Arizona State. Clemson, uh, like, pretty well documented. That's a that's a healthy position and just uh, a lot – like, more questions over which really good player uh, between Kelly Bryant, Zarek Cooper, and Hunter Johnson – Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson both being freshmen, uh, both getting some really good reports coming back from uh, the the time that they've spent on the limited time that they've spent on campus and around the team. Utah's got Troy Williams back, but then Tyler Huntley and Cooper Bateman, the former Alabama quarterback, behind them uh, is it like we expect. Uh, I don't know that you're on the same page too from our Pac-12 preview, which Pac-12 fans should definitely go back and listen to. But we expect the the identity of Utah to still be the same, particularly when it comes to having a a, a nasty, feisty defense, uh, good special teams play, and you know just enough offensively to be able to win a bunch of those games in uh, in like that 27 to 21 type stuff so when you're looking at Troy Williams Tyler Huntley and Cooper Bateman like is is that a fluid quarterback situation where uh, like if one goes down you have pretty good confidence the next one's going to be able to replace them yeah, Utah was a tricky one to peg and I, I do think like keep in mind that this is a new offense at, at Utah so they're expecting to to open it up and and be a, a true spread team, throw the ball around. So 
they could put up some more points this year, which will be interesting to see how that affects their defense. But I, in some ways, I don't know that I have a lot of faith in Cooper Bateman. I think he's good. He's serviceable. He's athletic. But to me, it's, it's about Troy Williams and Tyler Huntley. I think the fact Cooper Bateman has started at Alabama, it gives you a good third-string guy. But Tyler Huntley is someone they're really excited about. He was flashed last year, despite it was supposed to be Troy Williams' job, and, and he actually made it a competition. So I think Troy will be the guy. But if Huntley has to step in, I think they will be just fine. So that's a pretty good room. I think better than people realize. Um, and before we hit on Clemson, you know, look, I, I think Arizona's room is fascinating. Arizona got, State. Arizona State. Yeah. yeah, you got Manny Wilkins. You got Blake Barnett. Who I mean, they have four quarterbacks that started games in 2016. They've got their their third, fourth, and fifth string guys played in the Semper Fi Bowl, Under Armour All-American Bowl, and the Army All-American Bowl. Their their second stringer and Blake Barnett was a five-star kid out of high school, and their projected starter Manny Wilkins is is sort of the one guy that's that's got the most experience. But that room, it's just they got all these arms. And none of them have proven to be any better than good. But it's just going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out with Billy Napier as the OC the third and three years at Arizona State. It's just a weird room. And uh, I'll be interested to see if somebody can get out of there with, you know, and finally start looking good. Tigers, though, we feel like I, I feel very confident in what Clemson can be at the quarterback position. Like, I, I just, I think that with so much. Uh, they've done such a good job of recruiting. They've done. They've got a good offensive line. Um, you know, they've got a tremendous defense that's going to be able to help them out a lot. I think that you know the depth at running back and wide receivers go- going to set things up so that Kelly Bryant should be able to handle this job. But should he go down, uh, we should we should not expect major uh, major fluctuations from what that offense has been ever since. Um, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott took over as co-OCs. I agree. I, and I think we need to be careful not to overthink things with Clemson because it's easy to say lack of experience at quarterback. There's so many questions at quarterback. But ultimately, the, the D-line is still there. The receivers are still you know loaded. Their offense is still um, they're the same system. So, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine at quarterback. It's just... Right now, it could be one of three guys. So how do you, how do you even rank this group? But yeah, I'm, I'm betting by midseason, this is a this is a t- upper tier quarterback position at Clemson, um, and I bet you that's going to be Kelly Bryant at the helm. Greg Schiano made some headlines over the weekend. Uh, he, in a conversation with the Big Ten Network. He said that this current defensive line, and this is, again, he's the defensive coordinator at Ohio State right now. uh, It's the best defensive line, the most talented defensive line he has ever coached, including his time at Tampa Bay. He said, we had a great player in Tampa and Gerald McCoy, tremendous player, but that was just one guy. (laughs) To get back to this group, I have to go back to my days in Miami in 99 and 2000. And this is clearly a better group. Now, Greg Schiano is, uh, you know, do, he is pumping up his players, and you know, I am all for that. And you know, Greg Schiano has, you know, delivered some some wild quotes and interesting theories, and 
you know, he's he's got them fighting. Uh, like I feel like I'll never. I'll, I was forever changed when when Greg Schiano was uh, going in and defending the the scrap on the kneeling play. Like I was like, okay, you're different. different. <laughs> you're going to war for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay, all right. Uh, anyway. And Ohio State, look, Tyquan Lewis, Sam Hubbard, uh, Jalen Holmes, Nick Bosa, the let's see, Dramont Jones, like Jonathan Cooper, like. Look, Ohio State's defensive line is sick, no doubt. But it got me thinking, and it got me wanting to reach out to Barton on this one. Let's see if if we can – I think that we'll have some of the same, but I want to see how we think uh, the the best position groups in college football, where are they, and how do they stack up against each other. Uh, Barton, let's – Before we we do that, Chip, can we just actually take – Chiano's statement at face value and and to decide whether or not it's a viable statement because it may not be as crazy as you think. No way. Come on, dude. We're talking about pro football players. But I'm just talking about long-term, like how many of these guys are going to get drafted in the first or second rounds? Mm. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa will be eventually a first-round draft pick. Sam Hubbard, very realistic possibility he's a first-round draft pick, if not a first or second. Tyquan Lewis. First-round pick. First round pick, probably. Uh, Draymond Jones, probably a, a top three round pick at, at worst. Um, I mean, I just, it's, look, I'm not going to. They had Gerald McCoy. They had Michael Bennett. They had Adrian Claiborne. How many of those guys were first round picks? I'm just saying, this is, I'm not, look, it, it's, 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 it's a, it is a off the wall statement. And, but. Hey, it's good for clicks. Guys, hey, it was, that, it was like, great for clicks. That Miami, that the the Miami teams that that had all those dudes, like at the time, yes, I'm saying there's gonna they're gonna develop in the NFL, but from a talent perspective, like those Miami teams were more talented than a lot of NFL teams from in terms of who they would eventually produce. This group is is got about well now let's just get into the let's get into the position groups because I. This is my number one. It's my number one too. That's and then like I'm out here bashing them, but it's a hundred percent my number one. And it's one of these things where uh, I'm expecting that in the college football playoff, I've got Ohio State making the college football playoff. If Ohio State plays Alabama in either the semifinals or the college football playoff national championship game, here's my note: it is going to be that uh, 2011 LSU Alabama kind of talent yeah. matchup where. We keep going back to the, those two teams that played twice in that one year. Um, like when we just see pro bowlers everywhere. And, and I think that uh, at the defensive line in particular, the Ohio State defensive line is as good as it gets at any position across the board. 2003 Miami Ohio State was pretty good in terms of oh, producing same thing. NFL yeah. talent too, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this is this Ohio State. I mean that because I here's the difference. Here, so my number two unit is the Clemson defensive line, and I think the Clemson front four is the best in college football. But Ohio State's going eight deep, yeah. and Clemson still got those guys behind them. They can go eight deep too. But uh, for a position where you do sub all game, you do run guys in and outs. Ohio State's the only team that's got like. Big time NFL talents, way back on the edge of the bench in that unit. So 
Uh, they edge out Clemson for me. Um, is where where have you got the Tigers in, ah, in the pecking order? Dang, number two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I don't just... know. I don't know how you argue anything else. That the those two defensive line units are just absurd. Okay. Well, I had a debate for number three, and I went contrarian. Uh, and it may be not be that contrarian, but I was trying to debate between Alabama's running backs and Florida State's secondary for the next spot. And my, even though Alabama's running backs group is super deep with absolute freaks from, you know, Bo Scarborough, DeMonster, all the way to like, you know, is Najee Harris even going to see the field? Will he even need to? Every time we've seen Josh Jacobs um, and everybody else in that rotation, they've been able to be productive. But because of the interchangeability, I actually gave Florida State secondary where in Derwin James' ab- absence, we saw a tremendous season from Tavares McFadden. Florida State's done a great job not only recruiting to the secondary, but they cross-train them so that they can flip positions all over the place. So I've got Florida State secondary as my number three just above Alabama's running backs. Yeah, we're on the same page. I mean, I have Florida State four. I had the Florida State DBs four. And we did not – we did not um, – collaborate on this this is independent and we're, we're still kind of in the same same ballpark here i had alabama's running backs three and i i it's it's a tough one for me too i just i've never i don't ever remember a backfield this deep and this i mean they just lost bj emmons yeah so it's a transfer and it's like man who cares like this, <laughs> is, a, this is a this is a former top 100 freaky athlete that it's just like, hey man, we, we don't have room for you anyway. So tally ho, see ya. I mean, this is this group has, as you mentioned, Bo Scarborough, who is a freak of freaks from a physical power standpoint. They've got Najee Harris, who is the sort of the best of all worlds, a, a big uh, physical downhill back, who's also got really good wiggle and ability to play in space and catch the ball. Who's the who's a lot of people has the number one back in the country coming out of high school. He wasn't even the, the the best true freshman back from a testing standpoint on that roster. Brian Robinson came in at, at 210, 215 pounds running four fours in their in their spring testing. He's a beast. Then you got Joshua Jacobs, who's their sort of their change of pace back, who's is, is even as a change of pace back is just going to truck people. And then Damian Harris, who's the most experienced of all. I just that's five guys that's yeah. just could be could be all Americans. I mean, legitimate All-American candidates anywhere. So that's just the depth of that group. It's going to be fascinating to see how they manage the carries and touches and how they get the guys on the field at the same time. Um, Man, what a fun challenge for Brian Dayball. All right, my number five is Cameron Smith, Porter Gustin, and Uchenna Nwosu. Give me those USC Trojan linebackers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's not – I hear you. Porter Gustin coming off the edge. Uh carrying dumbbells in his duffel bag between school <laughs> like that that group is 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 stacked i went and this was the hard one this was the only one that i didn't it wasn't a, just a no-brainer but i went notre dame offensive line at five. oh quentin nelson um mike mcclinchy yeah matt mcclinchy yeah dude that's a, that's yeah, a good group yeah i, I mean th- their left side could have two first rounders between quentin nelson and, and mike mcclinchy um, I mean that's and that's pretty rare to have two first round 
draft picks on the same side of the offensive line. And then, you know, they also bring back Alex Bars and PJ Mustafer at, at guard and, and center on the right side. And then they're, you know, probably starting Tommy Kramer at the right tackle who redshirted last year, but was a five star and and in my opinion is as talented as any of these other guys too. So that's just a that, that's just a product of really good recruiting and 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 really good coaching. Harry Harry Stand is is one of the best in the country, and that, I I think that is a reason why this off why, why this Notre Dame team is going to really surprise some people. Uh, just missed the cut for me, but that I couldn't uh, slot them above USC for my top five. I had uh, NC State's defensive line led by Bradley yeah. Chubb, Kentavious Street, uh, deep group. I I had uh, Auburn's running backs, Cameron Petway and Carryon Johnson as another group to keep an eye on. And because you have done such a good job of uh, keeping me on my toes and challenging me, I've had to spend some time digging back into Oklahoma because I feel like uh, I feel like that team I have been a little bit down on and and Barton, I trust your opinions. So sometimes when I when I when I see when I hear and see a little bit more confidence uh, I've been digging back into it, and that group led by Orlando Brown or Oklahoma is going to be really good on the offensive line. Not good enough uh, to break over to jump over a Florida State secondary, Alabama running backs, or USC's linebackers, in my opinion. But certainly worth noting among the best position groups in college football. Yeah, I would throw Oklahoma State wide receivers Ooh, in the conversation. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really, really good group. You know, they've got James Washington. Uh, Jalen McCleskey, they got the kid that uh, transferred from LSU, Tyron Johnson, Marcel Aitman, who didn't play last year, injury, he's back. So that group is is deep. Uh, Alabama Stanford's linebackers, loaded. Alabama Stanford's DBs, loaded. <laughs> Th- those are two groups I love. So it's uh, – I'm going back to our quarterback room talk, man. If, if Stanford can get something out of Keller Crisp or, or, Christ or whoever else – Man, I, I keep on thinking they got a chance to be really good. All right. Uh, and our award-winning segment, closing segment, question of the day, um, Hard Knocks on HBO starts up this week. Um, and we've occasionally – Showtime, uh, our partners, uh, Showtime, a CBS company, uh, has given us a season with – um, you know, they've done, they've given a lot of good Notre Dame highlights. They've given a lot of good Florida state highlights. Uh, it's a very good, uh, show in the same vein. But if, if we're going for the behind the scenes, all access during training camp type ex- television experience, uh, we want to know who are the teams in college football that we want a hard knocks style behind the scenes look at. Um, I've got three Barton. Do you want to go first on this one? Okay, so I'm gonna. I've got a. I've got a sneaking suspicion that we have the same one, at least for one of the three. All right, tell me if. Tell me if I'm on track here, because this is hard knocks. Is all about drama. Look, you're gonna get foot, your football fix at any locker room in the country. I could be entertained by watching, uh, you know. Hendersonville High School down the streets and their hard knocks just because you're just getting that little football fix, that camp fix. So the differentiators is where do you get the best entertainment? Entertainment value, I'm going to FAU and Lane Kiffin. Oh, yes. 
Are you with me? Oh, I'm with you. I've, I, to- I totally whiffed on this. I've got three Power Five programs, and I've got some decent uh, reasons for all of them. And I completely missed out on the entertainment that could come from Boca Raton. Just, yeah. just with Lane, right? <laughs> just Lane's, with Lane alone. I mean, just, yeah, and the staff is just a bunch of renegades. You got Kendall Bryles, who could get a job anywhere else. You got Lane's brother, Chris Kiffin, who's got his first DC job. You even got Monty Kiffin as a as an analyst in the back room, just kind of Monty being Monty. It's uh, it, it's you know you got your the youngest position coach in college football and Clint Trickett. It's it is a it's a band of misfits, but it is it's going to be entertaining. And Lane Kiffin does not care about anything. He is he is unfiltered. So that would be my pick. Just to uh, that that would. Not only keep me entertained with the football stuff, but I think it'd keep my wife on board to watch it with me. <laughs> All right. Um, I had as my number one the Stanford Cardinal because I am uh, – I have a sneaking – Stanford because it's a private school and because, you know, they've, they're have they able to establish some, some privacy across the board. So I feel like I don't always get to see everything that's going on behind the scenes. But I have a sneaking suspicion, Barton, that they got real live robots – in that facility somewhere training these dudes. <laughs> like I, I really think that like with all of the artificial intelligence advancements, like they all might be wearing VR headsets. They all might have specified programs, getting them sharp, getting them to break down opponents film. I just think that uh, if you were a fan of technological advancement within sports, particularly in college football, I just think that you're going to get some incredible footage. And, and I think that David Shaw is a, a, a smart, a sharp guy. I would, I would take David Shaw's uh, explanation of what they do and why they do it. Uh, you know the, the little confessional shots? where it's like yeah. him explaining something and then it ends up being a voiceover of showing the players going through it. Like, give, give me that all day. I mean, I, well, I really want to see Stanford. And, and the great thing about David Shaw is he is really smart and he is really measured in what he says, but I think more so than, than most other coaches in college football, he's also honest. Yeah. And, and I really like that about David Shaw is, is when you, when he talks, you actually gain something from listening to him. Like he actually, imparts information he's he's not just spitting cliches so that in in that sense i i'm with you man i think that would be that would be fascinating uh my second one that i would mention this would either be the most boring or the most interesting one in in all of college football i just can't decide which is kansas state (laughs) i think watching bill snyder operates would either be incredibly boring or fascinating because he's just does things different than every coach in college football. He's so old school. He's also got a roster of an, a bunch of no-name guys who've come. You know, they scour the JUCO ranks. These guys have unique backgrounds. They always find kind of weird ways to win. I would just be really interested in how they build that program, and uh, and and maybe we'd get a little insight into some of you know Bill Snyder's handwritten notes that he sends guys after the games. But it's that that to me just uh would be i think a lot of different storylines we get to see i want to see arkansas i want to go yeah. all access with the, yeah. the Bielema experience <laughs> i want i want to i want and you know what and this was the other thing i had written down for arkansas is uh you know on the off days on these shows sometimes you get to follow the players i think going like hunting with arkansas's offensive line could make some really for some really good entertainment no question. And go to like the catfish hole or whatever that, yeah. that restaurant is that they're always talking about yeah. down there. 
Yeah, there, there's some, there's, there's probably enough to do in Fayetteville to to make it interesting, but not enough to do to where they can't. They they're gonna, still gonna have to get creative. Oh, not and have, yet. You know, I'm, I'm, and have some fun with it. So I'm kind of country. Would be, that like, would be fun. I'm not country, but I've like I enjoy the country experience, and I enjoy like jumping on board with some people that are about it. About it. Like, uh, you you get out into the middle. I was up at uh. I was up at a farm out in Person County, North Carolina this weekend where it's like, oh, yeah, we've got all these acres and it's kind of create your own fun. And I had a great time. Like that's like I, I, I want to have that experience. Um, all right. Shift the country. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, so my, my next one is, uh, is I mean, it's, it's cliche. It's easy. But Alabama, I got to see Nick Saban behind the scenes. I got to see. That's that's a secretive program. How do they operate? How how does that whole infrastructure work? And and let's see a little personality from Nick Saban that when he's when he's not, um, you know, in a press conference. I, I just think if if truly that would be my number one pick because they've done it better than anybody else. I just want to see how it operates. I want uh, my last one is Miami, mostly because. Chad Thomas, uh, very talented and extraordinary defensive lineman for the Miami Hurricanes, is also a music producer who has a production credit <laughs> on Rick Ross's latest album. So if I could get, as one of my side storylines, Chad Thomas in the studio with some of Miami's best rap talent, I think that that would be a great way to see how NCAA athletes are making a name for themselves on and off the field. So Last Chance You, one of the great things about Last Chance You is not just the, 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 that's the Netflix show about East Mississippi Community College. It's not just the players that you meet in the show, but what's interesting about it is all the the locals, uh, what's, uh, what, what they call the, in the most recent uh, season, they had a guy named like, hillbilly bob or something i mean that's not his name but it was like he's the guy at the local the local store that's loves east mississippi and talks about him and all this stuff the 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 ex extraneous characters in the university of miami one would be phenomenal oh yeah you got, <laughs> you got uncle luke from two live crew you've got all these other sort of uh, you know, local handler types that have been hanging out with these guys throughout their high school career that would just be around the program. Uh, that that would be entertaining. No doubt. All right. Uh, who's your third one? That's my three. Alabama, uh, he, Kansas State, and FAU. Those are my those are my awesome. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. Follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the twenty four seven Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. As soon as we hit publish, they go ding and they pop up right there on your mobile device. Uh, sometimes the iTunes page takes a little while to refresh, so make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss a single beat. Uh, we will be back with a new show on Wednesday, another new one on Thursday. We got guests coming. We got more Camp Buzz. Barton, thank you so much. See you. See you.